0: Happy Sunday!
1: And uh, happy Indy 500 Day! Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) We're big fans, aren't we? Yes, we are. We've been to the Indy 500 once and it was fabulous. Yes,
0: and we've also been to the track on a non-race day as well.
1: That's right. We've kissed the bricks and I've got pictures.
0: (laughs) Yes, that was exciting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, somehow we made the loop around it took us about three minutes to go two and a half miles in a vehicle, a uh, sort of a bus. And it was pretty fast to go around. But the interesting part is that the racers get around a whole lap in less than a minute. It's so crazy. It is. The first time we went to
0: see a race, I guess the only time we went to see a race, was in 2006. yes. And I remember we had attended a family dinner, and then we drove like we left the dinner at like ten o'clock at night, and yeah. drove down to Indy, yeah, which was like four hours and fifteen minutes. We got <laughs> into our hotel like after two a.m.
1: Yeah, it was late.
0: And then in the middle of the night, I had to get up to go to the bathroom, and I banged my foot on the.
1: You thought you TV. broke your toe? I, th-
0: I think I broke my toe. Yeah. yeah. My toes are in bad you shape. You were in
1: great pain, <laughs> but you went to the Indy 500 the next day anyways. What a trip! I
0: limped along somehow, amazingly enough.
1: And it's a good thing we had uh, Escort.
0: Well, we were hosted by one of the major sponsors, uh, which is AAA. So we were, through work associations, we were invited, Dennis and I, and um, we got on the bus. I think, at did we drive to a parking lot or at our hotel did we get on the bus? I, I think it was know. at our hotel. We got on like a bus and it was yeah. all the guests of AAA. Yes. And they drove us in. And it's so weird because you go through a neighborhood to get to the place. Yes. And so we were escorted by one of the sheriffs. It was a state trooper. A state trooper. On a okay. motorcycle. Yes. And at some point he like stood up on his bike and put his arms out like, like spread an eagle. <laughs> he
1: was I was like going to an say angel. like an eagle. Yeah. He had his arms spread out.
0: An eagle angel. Yeah. Yeah. And the crowd that was lining up on the road going yeah. into the, um, it's not called a stadium, into a track, right? Yes, into the racetrack. Into the, the crowd was just cheering for him. And, and I think he popped some wheelies too.
1: Well, I didn't see the wheelies, but I was amazed that here is somebody that's sponsored by AAA and the state police are escorting us into the Race track, and crowds are parting to make way for us. And here's the state trooper standing on the seat of his bike with so no nuts. hands on the wheel.
0: No hands on the or, wheel or, and his feet were not on the pedals. He was standing on his seat. Yeah,
1: yeah. I it don't was know how crazy. he did it. But. Yeah,
0: he was an acrobat, partial acrobat. But well, what was interesting about that was we had no, we had no idea what to expect. We knew we were going to be going to a suite, but we had no idea where it was or anything like that. But the bus pulled in and we went like underneath the main building. And then we got out and we walked a short distance to an elevator yes, yes. and took an elevator up to the suite. The yes. suite was air conditioned. It had a bathroom. There was food and beverage. And then there was outdoor seating. But the main thing was that it was air conditioned. That's what I remember because it was yes. so hot. Yes. And it was really great. And when we looked down, the pits were right below us.
1: Yeah. And uh, the the exit to the pits or entrance to the pits was right there. And at some point, this year's winner crashed into the barricade right in front of us.
0: Wow, you mean the in two thousand six? Yes, not this year's winner.
1: Yeah, well, this year's winner was Helio Castroneves.
0: Oh, and he crashed in 2006. He's the one that crashed right
1: okay. in front of us. In
0: 2006. Yeah. You know what I remember? There's two things that I remember from that race vividly. Yes. One was they gave us all headsets so we could turn to the different channels of the race car drivers. Oh, yeah. And listen that was to, cool. listen to the driver talk to their crew. Yes. Manager or whoever. And watching you listen and watch the race. I mean, you were like a little kid. You had the biggest smile on your face for hours and you enjoyed it so much (laughs) and then the other thing that was amazing to me is how fast the cars go by you cannot look in front of you down at the track because the cars whiz by i mean it it doesn't even look like a car the only way to watch the race is to look down the track either to your right or to your left yeah and that way you can actually see the vehicles but if you just look straight down they are going what 180 miles an hour
1: 200 plus. <laughs> okay, well,
0: whatever. I mean, it's so crazy. Yeah. But that was a great day and I, you know, of course, when when I was growing up, my parents had lived in Indiana for a while, but when we lived in Lansing, I remember on Memorial Day weekends, my parents would have that race on. It would be on the radio. They yeah. would be doing like a home project, you know, doing something, but that race was on in the radio. And I remember being in the basement one year and my dad had and my I think it was my brother, too, had put in speakers in the basement because we had like a pool table and a ping pong table. It was an unfinished basement, but then we had these speakers put in and my brother's stereo was down there and we were listening to the race and there was a huge fiery ball crash. And I just remember, you know, how serious it is. Oh, yeah. And when they were describing the crash and, you know, somebody was obviously pretty badly injured. I don't know if the person died or not. I don't remember because I was a little kid. But I just remember that the Indianapolis 500 was exciting, but it was also super scary.
1: Yeah. Well, I remember it being part of our Memorial Day weekend goings on. And I also remember my Aunt Phyllis and Uncle Arnold and their kids, my cousins, the earlies, lived in Indianapolis while he played for the Red Sox. And I remember my cousin, Greg, who was the oldest of their kids, a couple of years younger than me, talking about the race and how Eddie Sachs died in a crash. And um, I was always really interested in it, listened to it on the radio. The uh, radio station we could get up in West Branch at the time was WTAC at 600 on the AM dial. And on Memorial Day weekend, that was the whole thing. It was listening to that race on the radio, and it was pretty exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, it's super exciting. And we have relatives, you know, that live in Indiana, and I have a niece that lived in Indiana. And now she lives in Colorado, but she went to the race every year she was down there. And, um, of course, she was in the party area in the middle with her friends. And Sure. Um I just remember it just being so hot, and I can just, this is, I know why now women are scantily clad in that middle section, because it is so darn hot there.
1: Yeah, I I think, um, I don't remember how hot it was. I do remember how wonderful it was to be able to go into the suite and cool off, get something to nosh on, and I remember they had shrimp wrapped in bacon, and uh, they had uh, lots of, snacky kind of food, but really the good stuff. It wasn't just chips and salts. It was really good oh, stuff. Oh, it was like,
0: yeah, with chafing dishes and oh yeah, and cold hors d'oeuvres. And yeah. All, yeah, and anything you would want to drink. I remember being in a lot of pain that day, and I had my foot up on one of the chairs. I was able to sit in there because most everybody was outside. Yeah. Um. So I was able to sit in there and have my foot elevated. But, man, by the time we left there, my foot was so swollen. So, yeah, that was... A fun day.
1: Well, there's uh, an aspect of it. You mentioned what was really exciting to you and your memories of it, but um, I remember the start of it. That they, you know, had the cars going around and warming up and getting lined up and ready to go, and um, suddenly five blue angels came over the track, mm-hmm. right down the straightaway between. The side that the suites were on Mm -hmm. and the grandstands.
0: The fighter jets from the Navy.
1: And they were just amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just overpowering because they were low. Oh, yeah. And it was this scream of these warbirds going by. Yeah, it was
0: like thunder.
1: I mean, really.
0: I love to make sounds. Did you notice I make a lot of sounds?
1: Yeah, it's (laughs) one of the the things I love (laughs) about you. (laughs) It doesn't go, uh. Uh, but, but it <laughs> oh, was very very <laughs> very uh moving oh, yes. and yeah patriotic
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then the cars started and when they came around full throttle and the race started it was even more awesome I mean, yes. the sound was louder it was a different sound but it was clearly a roar
0: and I remember uh, Danica Patrick raced in '06, the year we, that we were there. Yeah. And I had to have one of the, her model cars, and I still have it. I've never opened the box. I'm saving it, you know, just for you know posterity. I'm not saving it because it's going to be a value, but I just am saving it and never opened it because it was, you know, her first race. So now, it, now she wasn't the first woman that was in the Indianapolis 500, but that was the that was the year that she wasn't the first time. Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, just to show you how long ago it was, she's retired from indie racing. But um, you know, it, it's interesting that this year they had a all-woman team, and it's it's one of those sports that is notoriously macho, but it's good to see women racing.
0: Yeah, and and Danica's not the first woman that raced. No. There was other women that have raced. Janet um, Guthrie and wasn't it um Saint John Saint James or what was her name? Lynn.
1: Lynn Saint James? Wasn't it? I don't know. I think it's it your was. Story. She's a
0: story. Ra- well, I don't know, honey. I can't remember. I think it was. She raced cars. Well I can't I, remember what team uh, she raced on. She might re- have raced on the Ford team. I don't remember.
1: Well, I remember your dad telling about having one of the indie drivers that worked for Ford at some point, and took him and some of the other Ford employees, Ford managers, out on some racetrack at Ford in the new Mustang. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said she got it up to 100 miles an hour and then turned the wheel hard to the right or hard to the left. I think it was hard to the left because your dad said that the car turned and he was slammed against the side <laughs> of the car. The outside. Going yeah. Toward the
0: outside. Yeah. He had been to the race multiple times because of working with Ford Motor Company. I remember he had been on a couple of dealer trips yeah, um, to, to escort dealers down there, too. So, yeah. Yeah, I love cars. I love racing. And I just, I think it's just cool.
1: Yeah, it is totally cool, and I'm getting anxious for Lois because she's getting ready to get her car out and get a clear protector on and
0: clear film.
1: Yeah, and, that's and going to go on put next it on the week. road.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then I can get the Mustang GT out on the road.
1: And um, this is clearly Lois's car, though I think I contributed a little bit to the down payment. I can't drive it. And it's not because Lois hasn't offered, it's because I don't think we can afford all the tickets I would get, because it is one hot automobile.
0: And it's fast. Yeah. I can't wait. we got to find some place where I can go 185 miles an hour.
1: Well, I've only been 140 miles an hour, and I assure you, it is is a weird sense of security to be going fa- that fast. Well, the
0: fastest I've been is in two places. One is in the Autobahn in going through Austria, uh, 165 miles an hour. Wow. And then another time was on I-96 before M14 going westbound.
1: Is that when I you was, got the ticket? <laughs>
0: no, I was driving the guy who owned our company at the time. I worked for Phoenix Group. I was... Driving Bob Beeson home because he had had a couple too many drinks. Oh, and uh, you know he had this Beamer, and I'm like, uh, you know, first we're going eighty, ninety, then a hundred and ten, then we got up to one hundred and sixty-five. There was nobody on the road, and we I hope flew not. down I ninety-six from between Telegraph and M fourteen. So basically between Telegraph, west to the Sheldon Road exit, we were going one hundred and sixty.
1: Oh wow. my God, it
0: was just, un- and the thing is, it's so smooth. Yeah. You don't even realize you're going that fast.
1: Well, it was probably a good thing that my car had a speed limit on it at 140 because I wanted to see, after I realized that there was a limit, I wanted to see how it felt when it got to that. and I had the opportunity and I took it. Nobody else in sight and I had a nice clear view of no police as far as I could see. So I said, okay, this is the place to try it out. I was alone. And uh, it got up to 140 and then wouldn't go any faster because the tires weren't rated to go faster than that.
0: I remember when I you're talking about me getting a speeding ticket, I was headed to your house one night on a Friday night after work. And it was after rush hour. And I just was in the right-hand lane on I-96 out toward Brighton. And all of a sudden, woo, 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 you know, the state police... Pulls me over and he goes, Ma'am, do you have any idea how fast you were driving? I'm like, 65. He's like, No, 95. (laughs) (laughs) But I was in the right hand lane. I just was listening to music and just cruising along. And I had no idea I was going that fast. He goes, Well, because you were honest, I'm only going to write you for 15 over. I said, Okay. (laughs) So then I had. Which is
1: reckless driving, by the way. (laughs) Well, it is. And of
0: course, you know, so he says, Well, you know, if you show up at court, you know, you probably, because you don't have anything on your record. He goes, you know, at this time, you know, which I clearly have had speeding tickets in the past, but there was a, you know, good chunk of years that had gone by before I got this ticket when I was first seeing you. And I went to court and he was there. And because he showed up, the judge said that they'll waive the ticket. I have to pay the fee, but then I'm going to, I'm going to not get points. I can't remember.
1: Sometimes that's what they do.
0: Yeah. So I had to pay like $250 or something for the speeding ticket. And then I think I didn't get points on my record because I had a clean record at the time. But one time I did get a letter from the state of Michigan, from the secretary of state, telling me that I was in the 3% of the worst drivers in the state of Michigan, because I have a very extensive history of speeding tickets.
1: Well, I've You've got since I, cleared that up. I
0: got a ticket 6 months after I turned got my driver's license the day I turned 16, 6 months later I got a speeding ticket. I got multiple speeding tickets going to high school, multiple speeding tickets, you know, commuting to my freshman year of college. After that I lived in the dorm. Multiple speeding tickets going to work. One time I got two tickets on Ford Road headed to Ford Motor Company for work. I got two tickets 2 weeks apart. Unbelievable. Because they had a speed trap there, and it was like, you could go 50, but I was going 60, or whatever. I mean, there's nobody on the road at 6.30 in the morning, but still, the cops.
1: Well, they're doing their job, Uh, keeping the road safe for those who aren't speeding and driving like maniacs.
0: The thing that makes me laugh is that when I drive anywhere with my friends, they're like, you need to go the speed limit. And it's because I'm going 5 or 10 under...
1: Well, you're being cautious because
0: now. I I drive like an old lady now because I don't want to get a speeding ticket. It costs an arm and a leg. It it really affects you from the insurance standpoint. Yeah. So now people, when they say, "My God, Lois, you drive so slow," I just laugh to myself because I'm thinking they have no clue what my driving history has been. Well, is, I've had I like a, to drive fast.
1: I've had a few tickets, and uh, I've also escaped tickets <laughs> on a couple of occasions and one time I was heading to Florida trying to drive straight through and trying to set a new land speed record and this is in the days when the speed limit was 55 all the way down and I was going through the mountains of Tennessee and there was a section of I-75 that was in a channel cut out of the mountain I said oh dang you know there's no cops, there's no median I'm Good to go. So I floored it and um, came around a corner and there was somebody had cut a hole in the mountain and there was a state trooper pointed right at me. Wow. And he was eating his lunch. (laughs) (laughs) And he was so surprised when I blasted by him at over 100 miles an hour. I saw him put his sandwich down. Quickly, and he knocked his coffee off the dash and into his lap. And I quickly slowed down and said, Oh crap, I'm really gonna get a big ticket, I might even go to jail. So I slowed down, and he never caught up to me. Really, yeah, he must have been so uh injured that uh he needed to,
0: or maybe you crossed uh, a county line.
1: Well, he was a state trooper. Oh, okay. So he could could cross. Yeah. And I was well inside of Tennessee. So I was cautious the rest of the way through Tennessee, expecting to see him come up on me because it was, it was uh, not pretty for him. Yeah. And I, I feel awful. I, one time was on my way from Lansing to Troy going on I-69 and it was driving rain and I was following some cars that were just poking, poking, poking. And I was about halfway to Flint. And all of a sudden, the slowpoke at the front of this long line got over, so I tromped on it to get by him. I had no idea. And it, just as soon as I cleared him, went under an overpass. And there was a state trooper who put on the siren. I just quickly pulled over. And I apologized profusely because he was standing there in the rain Just getting soaked. I just really apologized. So I ended up showing up at court to plead guilty for that ticket. I could have done it by mail, but I ended up going to court just so I could apologize one more time. I mean, he was (laughs) soaked. (laughs) He was soaked.
0: It probably didn't help with your record and the ticket. Well,
1: interestingly, I wanted to, you know, do my duty as a good citizen and apologize and pay my fine, and um, I offered to do anything that they would ask me to do to help teach others. It it was interesting, too, because as (laughs) I... To
0: teach others how to drive fast.
1: (laughs) To teach others how to (laughs) drive safely Ah, and not go 90 in the driving rain. But um, I was at the end of a long bench of people going in to get their hearing before the magistrate, and I was sitting in the hallway listening to all of these losers who were explaining how? Oh, I was really wearing my seatbelt. Yeah, the police officer didn't know what he was talking about, and they were just giving him a hard time. But the judge just or the magistrate just kept, you know, issuing the fine. The officer was trusted, and so I said, "Oh, jeez, I'm here with all these losers. I'm a loser. I'm just gonna go throw myself on the mercy of the court and say I'm guilty." <laughs> You know, if you have to throw the book at me, it will teach me a lesson because I don't want to do this again. And the judge looked at me. He said, so you don't have any complaint against a police officer? I said, oh, no. When he said 90, I don't question his instrument, his testimony. I was going 90. It's Mm -hmm. very accurate. I'm so sorry. I apologize. And the judge looked at me like I was from Mars. (laughs) And he looked at the state trooper and he says... Uh, what can we do for this guy? And I was expecting he was going to have me show up and do some volunteer work. And the police officer, state trooper, said, Well, we got to give him at least one mile over. And the magistrate slammed his gavel down and said, Okay, one mile over, pay the fine.
0: Wow. So you got off easy. I
1: really got off easy
0: because you didn't try to make up a story that you didn't, that you weren't accountable for your actions. No,
1: so. Um, I lucked out.
0: Yeah, for sure. I lucked out. Well, there's nothing better than driving a car. I mean, I love to drive. Sometimes you and I, you know, we fight over who gets to drive the truck, especially in winter.
1: <laughs> Not very often. I don't <laughs> fight to drive.
0: But I'm you, happy we for you to drive. We both like to drive. We
1: both like to drive, and I especially am... when
0: the when there's snow and we can put the four by four on and yeah crunch through eight inches or 10 inches of snow. That's super fun.
1: Yeah. And it's um, it's a great vehicle that we've got. This Ford F-150 is just precious to me. I, every time I get in it and drive out in the country or drive out on uh, you know a two track, I say Henry Ford would be very proud of the work that his children and his coworkers have done with this vehicle, because it'll go just about anywhere.
0: Yeah. it's fun. It's fun to drive. I hope that um, our children's children will love to drive. Yeah. I know that there's, we're moving to more of a shared model and even to subscription services for driving and, you know, also having driverless vehicles and that kind of stuff in the future. But it's just so much fun to drive. I hope that's not something that our kids and our, I'm sorry, our children's children and their children get to experience because it is such a fun thing
1: to drive. Well, it's a sense of freedom. It was Mm -hmm. liberating when I was old enough to go drive and go to town or go down some road I had ridden by on the bus, but I never got a chance to see what was at the end of that road. It was just liberating to be free enough to go where you want to go. Right. And uh, as a child of the sixties, It was really a great privilege to be able to drive. And I remember my dad trying to teach me how to drive the the Ford, 1946 Ford Coupe that he bought. And of course, this was in 1967 or 68. And I was unsure how to drive it. And dad made it easy for me. He said, just drive it like you drive grandpa's tractor. (laughs) And so I said, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> so it was easy, and I didn't burn the clutch out. Of course, Dad didn't let me drive it that much either. But
0: Yeah, but you got a chance to drive it, which is cool. I remember when you let me drive your 65 Chevy. Oh, yeah. And I thought, that is so wonderful. I just love it. And it's got a massive steering wheel, so it's really cool.
1: Well, yeah, it, you needed that big steering wheel to <laughs> turn those big wheels on that two-ton monster but (laughs)
0: that's a land shark or something
1: yeah it's uh
0: it's cool though i like it it's fun to drive old cars
1: yeah and it's it's fun to think back about how different the experience is driving a 65 versus a 2020 i mean Mm -hmm. that's uh 50 plus years yeah and to see how much autos have changed and i remember a few years ago for father's day that Lois and her sisters uh, finagled to take us down, her dad and myself down to the uh, Gilmore Museum. Mm -hmm. And I remember the look on Joe's face as some Model A's went putting by. And he says, what's that noise? (laughs) I said, that's the sound of the car's engine. He said, what? I said, yeah. In the old days, they weren't as quiet as they are now. Of course, Joe, by that time, had had a chance to go with me in the 65 Chevy, mm-hmm. which had different muffler arrangements so that it had a little bit of a purr or a roar, depending on how hard you stepped on the gas. But I've one of my favorite pictures of, is of Joe hanging out of the back of the Chevy as we went to the Dream Cruise. And I've also got a picture of... Young Robert, my nephew, standing on the block of the engine with the hood up. Oh yeah. I don't know if you remember that picture, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a it's a fun thing, and the fact that it was my grandparents' car just makes it extra special.
0: Yes, definitely, and you're going to keep it in the family, so that's the good news.
1: Absolutely, going to keep it in the family. So.
0: Well, I mean, it's fun to drive no matter what the engine is. I don't care if it's electric or, you know, ice, you know, what they call ice, internal combustion, or BEV, which is going to be the battery electric vehicles. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just the fact that you're, you got that independence from being able to drive yourself somewhere, you know. So I just hope the kids all want to drive because it is a wonderful experience. It's fun. I enjoy driving the cars even at Disneyland. You know, (laughs) I mean, like getting on the track and even though they've got that metal thing down the middle of the track, you're still driving the vehicles yourself, the old timey vehicles and whatever. And, you you know, if if you let go of the steering wheel, obviously the car is not going to go off the thing, but... Uh, you know, you're still driving. To me, just driving anything. Driving go-karts is super fun. We all love, done that. We yes. all love driving go-karts. <laughs> and also even bumper cars. I mean, just getting in and just being able to drive something to me is just super fun. I, I've never driven a tractor, but I'd like to do that sometimes. So. Well, it,
1: it was uh, one of the fun events of Joe's history when we helped him celebrate his birthday at that indoor racetrack. Oh, yeah, for and to see him and his birthday. friends, you know, racing. Mm-hmm. They were battery-powered I think, but, uh, super fast, super tight turns. And to see the competition among the kids was really fun.
0: Mm -hmm. That was fun. Yeah. I mean, just getting in the cars and going. So anyway, so this is all about transportation and mobility. I guess this segment turned into Indianapolis 500 (laughs) plus speed plus tickets.
1: Well, before we, uh, wrap up this session, I would like to say that not only is this, Always on a Sunday and the Indy 500 Day, but it's also the day before Memorial Day.
0: Yes, it is.
1: And it's important for us to remember those who sacrificed for us.
0: For both men and women in the service that have sacrificed their lives, yes.
1: Yeah, they've sacrificed for us and their families sacrificed too.
0: Mm -hmm. And our grandparents used to call it Decoration Day. Yeah. It got changed to Memorial Day in 1971. Yeah, I was reading up on it. So, yes, we, we have a parade that's going to be going by our house tomorrow. The One of the nice things, I guess, about the pandemic is last year, Plymouth um, had the parade go through the neighborhood. Right. With the uh, veterans and the different groups. There's, you know, all kinds of people that participate. And then there's a, a service. We have a war memorial in town, in the downtown area. So, But what's nice is that they're going to drive down our street. Last year, we were on the parade route. This year, we're on the parade route. And we don't have to walk, you know, three or four blocks downtown, but we just get to stay in our front yard. But we do have to get up in the morning and put our... I got flags for the curb, and then you have a sign. Oh, I can see it right there. Yeah, that has to go out in the yard that says we remember. And obviously, we honor all of those who lost their lives, you know, for our freedom. Yeah. So... Okay, my darling. Well, this is it for this week, and I'm looking forward to next Sunday because we'll be in South Bend, Indiana with baby Joe and Emily.
1: Well, that'll I'm be wonderful. I'm super
0: stoked. It's going to be another special edition.
1: Well, and uh, just a quick tie-in. I think Joe intends to take us to the Studebaker Museum.
0: Ooh, <laughs> that'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be lots of fun. All yeah. right. All right, honey, I love you. And, I love you. Uh, we'll have a good week, and we'll look forward to next weekend. Yes. All right, take care. Bye. Kisses. Bye.